This is Curated Chill, the Aspire Design and Home Podcast. I'm Josh Cooperman, Director of Broadcast Media for Hudson One Media. The design industry is having some very challenging times right now. Fair statement? Here's the thing. Business is good. No, it's great. But not being able to get the product into the project is a challenge of epic proportions. So too is the fact that inflationary pressures are driving up the cost of design. But that is exclusively on the product and shipping side. So it's not like the industry is benefiting directly from the influx of of new revenue. And there's only so much room to add increased costs. This being said, there is hope. And you're about to get a healthy dose from Alex Varbero, the third generation CEO of Schwartz Design Showroom in Metuchen, New Jersey and Stanford, Connecticut. This design center has been operating for 70 years. This means they saw the end of World War II, the Vietnam War, the gas crisis in the 70s, hyperinflation in the 80s, and the following crash in 1987. They saw the Great Recession, 9-11, and plenty more social unrest, financial collapse, and incredible growth and they have survived and thrived through it all. So, what you're about to hear is a conversation that covers 70 plus years and three generations of design management, crisis management, business growth. Alexis knows of what she speaks. You're gonna hear from Alexis in just a moment, but first, this from our friends at FiberSeal. Now, more than ever before, it's so important to take care of the fabrics that make up incredible design. High quality furnishings are an investment. As with any investment, you need to protect it. Removing stains is easy with FiberSeal, and the most talented designers will tell you that caring for the fabric is critical to its longevity. Just about every homeowner will tell you that stains happen. Protecting fine furnishings with fiber seal gives your clients the best opportunity for success in stain removal. Designers, recommend to your clients that they protect their fine furnishings with fiber seal. Why? Well, fiber seal is a suite of products, protective treatments, at-home care products, as well as superior customer service. And the most popular products are GreenGuard Gold Certified. Each treatment comes with superior service from a company dedicated to protecting your fine fabrics, carpets, and rugs from stains and environmental factors that damage fine textiles. You can work with FiberSeal for pre-testing before you make your textile selects. They are industry partners of both ASID and the Interior Design Society. So, they understand the needs of the design community and how to care for fine furnishings. Visit FiberSeal online to learn more about how it works. FiberSealNortheast.com and on Instagram at FiberSealNortheast. Isn't it funny that we're talking about traffic yeah. and we hadn't been talking about traffic really for, for quite some time. It's fun to be talking about traffic again. I think you're right. It kind <laughs> of is. I mean, it's such a part of I, all of our lives and yeah. of the silver linings of what we've all been through. I did count no traffic as one of them. Um, but it is, uh, to your point, nice to see life getting back and the hustle and bustle of what we're used to. So yeah, it for it, sure is. Exactly. It's funny too, because traffic is one of those, um, it's one of those indicators that lets us know that we're, we're getting back to the way things 
could be and should be. So I'm, so I'm curious with that, how is Mm -hmm. the design trade in the, in the Northeast? How, how have things bounced back? What is the state of design? Are you getting, are you getting product in? Are you getting deliveries on a quasi regular basis? What is this? This is like 18 questions all at once. I know. I I could talk for three hours on just the first part of your question. (laughs) Right. I promise I won't. I promise I won't, but I would start with, you know, when we all, you know, the shock of everything that everyone had been through and, and kind of going from a point of, as a business owner saying, wow, this 74 year old business is sort of resting on my shoulders. And are we going to be able to make it? Are we going to be able to make it through? And, um, what I typically rely upon and what I've always said in general, even pre COVID is the team, the team, the team. And so I'll even just rewind of being able to jump going from a brick and mortar showroom uh, where we really have community to being able to take our business online, um, which we had never done. And for that, I'm eternally grateful to my amazing computer guru, Nitin, who who years ago had me invest in a server that goes to the the cloud and you know, honestly, again, as a small business owner, getting the, co- you know, oh, can I afford to do that? And what I realized is if I hadn't done that previously, um, we would have really been in trouble because um, we were able to seamlessly move everyone to a remote situation to be able to still be in contact with our clients um, and, and still be able to quote our clients, do stock and really run the business remotely, which whoever thought you know, whoever thought we'd have to do that. So, you know, going from that point to then cut to 12 months later of saying, oh my God, now we have more business than we've ever had. So when we're talking even traffic and I always think of infrastructure and I think it's always the most, another key ingredient to business and small business, you know, it's great to have a great idea. It's great to be passionate about something and want to work your butt off. But if you don't have that infrastructure behind you to support the business, you know, you can fail. Um, And so having that infrastructure saved us um, and it's continued to save us. And I also am talking about my team, my staff being able to ramp up. Um, Again, we went from not knowing if we'd be in business to hiring four new people in the last 18 months. Um, So you know, I think that the challenges, and again, I'll just talk and talk. So I'll try to no. stay directed. I'll try no, to stay it's directed. great. But I feel like I have to give a little background because, you know, I love to read about the titans of industry and the engineers that built the wor- world. And, you know, you think of how could we have gone in such a shift in 18 months of having nothing to, holy shit, what, how are we going to, how are we going to, you know, support the demand and um, deliver on it. So, you know, cutting here's, to- yeah. here's, what's in, here's what's really interesting too. And while you're talking about that, I think it's fascinating. You know, we're not talking about a business that you open. You know, I, I hear about this all yeah. the time. We opened the business in 2008, 2009, just after the financial crisis. And oh, what a terrible yeah. time to open a business. I hear that all the time. Same with designers hanging a shingle. 
Yeah. What's interesting about you is yours is not a new business. Um, right. you, you've been in business, what, 72 yeah. years? So 74, yeah. 74 years. So you've uh-huh. been around for a while. This is not the first crisis that you've seen. Yeah. You know, the business was around yeah. during, during the financial crisis, during Vietnam, during World War II. I mean, the business has been around for, for World War II or just after? Right after World War II. Uh, just after, Day, okay. We opened yeah. Armistice Day. Right. So we were kind of opening on the heels of a world disaster. And, and a, and a Mm reemergence, the likes of which the world had never seen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, this is also a story of a family business. So I, I, what's the obligation? You know, it's, it's interesting because someone can have a business, open a storefront, close a storefront, Mm -hmm. and there really is no, there's nothing that's no heritage loss. This is, this is not only a, a, a business that's been around for decades, serving the design trade mm-hmm. where you are, but, but mm-hmm. also one that is familial, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's multi-generational. So mm-hmm. talk about that for a minute. What does that yeah. mean? Well, I mean, I think I'll take it even a step further because I also have generations of employees mm. who have been working for me. And I think that that really is a standout as well. And to your point, I think, when I was thinking back to when everything sort of exploded or imploded rather, you know, saying, oh, is this seven, at that point, 72 year business going to end with me? And it sort of was me waking up and saying, hell no, we're going to, we're going to survive this. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be stronger for it. And I think being able to be nimble and to be able to sort of think on the go and make quick decisions has always saved us. I think back to, you know, when my grandfather and his brothers and one sister started the business and it was really just seeing the opportunity of this booming middle class and people coming back. And if they were lucky enough to come back from war, you know, how were they going to take advantage and, and, you know, whether it was the GI bill, how are they going to take advantage to further themselves and to grow, to grow their families and build their environment? So I, I, it's an amazing chance that they saw that opportunity. And in the beginning, I will say we started, it was furniture, it was dishwashers, it was appliances. So it was sort of a much broader. um, And even within the first four years of business, they really streamlined it. Seeing the opportunity was really more furniture. So, I mean, which was at that point, you know, seeing what it was and really analyzing the business and saying, okay, what's driving us? Who's coming to us? What communities are we working within Um, and shifting it to just furniture? Well, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested in that, too, because, you know, that that model in the 50s, basically, if, if someone wanted something in in design or home decor, you went to the you went to the department store. Correct. And the department yeah. store had, you know, Macy's and, and you would go to the home mm-hmm. section in Macy's and mm-hmm. they would have they would have everything soup to nuts. You know, you mm-hmm. you just go there and they would have salespeople who would help you, you know, sort of mm-hmm. match everything. But that doesn't really Correct. exist anymore. So I'm interested right. now because I think it's mm-hmm. really fascinating for those who who have showrooms. And, and it's interesting too mm-hmm. your background mm-hmm. in makeup and fashion, mm-hmm. you're you're used to rapid changes. You're, you're, you're accustomed to rapid changes in style and design and materials, <clears throat> A&D, R&D, testing. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like you have to be more nimble than ever before. 
Correct. Well, I mean, and layer that with the onslaught of social media and being able to see everything in real time. You know, it's, you know, I always joke, it's like you could go to High Point, North Carolina and see amazing new frames. And then they tell you, well, it's not going to be available for 18 months, you know? And so, and then you're like, well, I'm seeing it all over Instagram and my clients are seeing it all over Instagram, you know? So where does that lie? But to your point, I do think I have always been able to sort of shift and like take a look at something. And I'm not afraid. I think a lot of times people, which is maybe good, maybe bad. I've been burned like we all have, you know, but I often do go with my gut and I will consensus situation. But I'll go back to even, you know, changing the business model because even going in from the 50s, um, going into having that furniture store, um, whether you are partnering with these larger than life brands, whether it was a Thomasville or a Henredon, a lot of names that you don't even hear. Um, and then the late 70s, early 80s, moving to a design center format, we were really one of the first furniture stores to say, we're going to have in-house designers, they're not going to just be salespeople, we're going to invest and we're going to bring on interior designers who are going to build relationships. Um, so that was in the 80s, to being able to have my mother in the late 90s say, okay, that model has now changed. Now we're going to go to trade, we're going to shift completely to trade. So, you know, and then you know, of course, one of the things my mother always said to me was go out in the world, learn something and bring it back to the family biz. So which was the best advice I, or the smartest thing she's probably one of the smartest things she's ever said to me, you know, and going into fashion and, and cosmetics specifically um, and working in global marketing, being able to travel, being able to have the marketing background, the, the PR background, and then come in and, and take that into working for my mom and learning the furniture industry, which is its own sort of anomaly um, in a lot of ways and how they work and how they operate. Um, so, so, cut to, cause, so cut to where we are now. What have you learned yeah. in the last 18 months and what is, how has that changed the business? I mean, so, so much has changed. I do think that a lot of the issues facing the industry that we're seeing right now really have been building um, for quite a number of years. And, you know, whether it was people were just moving at a pace and they couldn't see, I think it's forcing everybody, whether it's looking at their labor, where, how they're warehousing, you know, is sort of lean manufacturing really where it needs to be. There's so many different factors. Um, so I do think it has changed dramatically. You know, I think too, we were all very used to the Amazon world of like, I hit add to my cart and buy it now. And I'm going to have that sofa in two weeks. You know, we've all had a kind of backtrack. But the most important thing that I think we've done is really listen to our clients and really communicate with our clients. It's made our relationships stronger, definitely with those clients. Um, I've always prided our showrooms and our staff on not being salespeople. We're not a sales-driven showroom. We are a partnership. We're a partnership. So we're very transparent. We want to build those relationships. Um, And I'm always constantly looking for ways that I can help my clients to build their business. And in the past 18 months, it's, it's been all about managing client expectations and 
how do we how do we do that how do we plan and it's been tough because it's like kind of how do you plan for the unknown right how do you um but at the end of the day the most important thing that i've come out of this with is that our clients know that they can always trust us and count on us because whether or not it's like i'm going to get a truck and i'm going to I don't care what the cost is. I'm going to get that truck. And if, and if it's ready on that dock, we're going to pick it up and I'm going to get it to your client's home. Whether or not I can make that data or not, I, my clients understand and know that it, it's genuine and authentic and that that's where, we're, where I'm coming from. Yeah. And, and that's changed a lot too, because you, you have so much control. You only have so much control. You, know, you can get it right, from the dock, right. from the dock to the house, but getting it from you know, manufacturer to the dock, you have zero yeah. control over that. So I'm curious. Zero. Um, about the vendors you work with and the partners mm-hmm. you work with. And, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that now you're probably going out to High Point, you're probably going out to the other trade shows. You're, you're Now we're starting to move around. You, you're going out to market. You're going to go see what they've been doing mm-hmm. and developing and creating and crafting, you know, mm-hmm. for the last two years. And I, I'm, I'm interested, how have your vendors, how have your partners sort of helped helped make things easier because what I'm, I'm hearing a lot from designers about, and look to your point, this isn't something that started. It's not new. You know, we started dealing with tariffs, what, four or five years ago, right? Where the, where the tariffs increased cost and the cost led to delays. And Mm -hmm. the pandemic was just kind of like more of that. You know, it's a but, perfect storm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested, mm-hmm. you know, what are you seeing from your vendors? How are your vendors helping you participate? And is this an opportunity now for you to look at other partners that you bring mm-hmm. into the showroom? Sure. Well, you know, I do think, and I just want to say this, and I don't mean it in a negative way. I think the smart vendors are the vendors who have really taken the last 18 months and they are, this is not a time for innovation. This is a time for let's meet the demand. And let's live up to what we can do and what we can be. Um, listen, there were a number of manufacturers that didn't show at market. Um, and I actually sort of give them kudos because, you know, I don't know how, for me, I couldn't go back to a client and say, well, I, I'm going off on this, this excursion to High Point and uh, I want to be wowed by new product. No, I want to I talk to the heads of the company. I want to understand how they're helping their employees meet the demand, how they're helping. So I do take a, a different approach to that. I, you know, right now we're all about let's work through our backlog and let's, I, I mean, we still have clients who don't have things in their homes that were ordered last January, this past January, you know, don't show me a sofa that I can't now buy for two years. I, I'm not, I'm just not interested in it. I'm, I'm interested in those manufacturing partners that come and actually say the opposite and say, we're looking, and I'll give an example with Lee, we're looking at Lee Industries, who's been a, a, a partner of ours for, I couldn't even quote it, over 30 years as a retail partner, as a trade partner, um, you know, who really got hit early on and who took an approach that at the time people thought were cra- was crazy. You know, they really had to scale back. They had a lot of COVID issues. They had a lot of supply issues pre the Texas storms, because that's another thing separate from the pandemic. You know, who knew that there were only four plants that made foam in the US and they were all located in Texas. I never knew that. I've been in the business almost 20 years, never knew. 
So, you know, and, and really scaled back um, and now are coming out of it and really looked at their production and lines and said, okay, we're going to take our top excuse and we're going to dedicate production lines to this. So they're just looking at things differently in ways that they can say, okay, on those eight SKUs, we're going to bring our production times down to 14 weeks versus 30. You know, so they're innovating in a different type of way. They're innovating in a way that is more um, maybe not design centric, but I do think is filling um, the bigger need in our industry right now. And I think a lot of companies as well, you know, Rockhouse Farms, which is Century and Hickory Chair, um, you know, Alex Schuford and how he has thought about this and how he has really addressed things head on and been a leader. Again, it's not about the innovation. I, I think it's great for designers to sit and say, I wanna be like, wow, I wanna go to High Point. That's what they should be doing. For me, I wanna figure out how to make their imagination come to life and how am I gonna take what they come in and work with us and translate it as into like their home, the client's well, home. Yeah, but don't, yeah, and don't you also think that that innovation, it's not just product, but it's also process to your point yes, and what you're talking 100%. about. 100%. And I'm, I'm curious, has that, how has that affected the way that you merchandise the showroom? Huge. I mean, to your point. So I went to High Point last June and anticipating people wouldn't be able to fulfill orders. We sort of really bought heavily for the floor. The irony is that ain't shipping until, until probably after the holidays anyway. What are you, what are you going to do? Um, I'll tell you where it's really affecting me is we have um, a new design center that I'm building in New Jersey, which we've never had in our state before. Um, and it's a very exciting time. And, you know, for the first time ever, interior designers in New Jersey and the surrounding area will have a space and a place to go that really their clients can come to for fabric, wallpaper, furniture, and really have everything in terms of service. Now, we're going to move in in January, but we're not going to have product. So, you know, I mean, I've already been layering this in. So every time a new design, a designer is talking to me, she's like, oh, it's going to be so great. You're going to have all of these different. And I was like, okay, it, you're going to have to give me till September, September. And I'll tell you this too. It's like, it's really tough if you're a perfectionist right now or a type A. I'm not that person. I operate differently. And I think it is working to my benefit. It's sort of like I am with my kids. I'm like, just the bar's low. So if I hit a little higher, it's amazing. So I just, just kind of try to keep it, <laughs> keep it understandable because I'd rather overachieve on something. Um, but it's really affecting, it's, it, uh, we can't get a, a refrigerator into our new ma amazing coffee bar that I'm gonna be building out uh, probably until next September. So we'll have a hole and we'll have a Home Depot refrigerator. Um, but again, in terms of how that's affecting, it doesn't affect our service. It doesn't affect our ability to work with our clients um, because that, that's all still there. You know, where it does affect is like to your point of uh, partnering with new vendors that I really want to bring into the marketplace that haven't been on the Northeast yet, as of yet, and really giving them floor time and space to really let interior designers know and understand their product. That, that's been a hindrance for sure. Are you also seeing, um, you know, when you're talking about tap the brakes a little bit, 
Tap them. Tap the brakes. Slow on. it down. Slow your roll. Yeah. Um, are yeah. you also are you also seeing a, a change, or rather, what changes are you seeing in the in the habits of designers? It's interesting because something that I've seen a lot lately is, you know, the designers, because on behalf of their clients are way more interested in story and narrative and the story behind the product. And they're also very interested in this idea of a mix where it's not just how luxurious, how high end, how expensive can we make it? But instead of that, how how curated can we assemble? I think that's a great point. And I think the supply chain issues have also caused designers to go back and look at that curated mix, whether it's mid-century modern pieces that they're pulling in. Um, here in Connecticut, we have a great new business that opened sort of on uh, in our design district. And he does a lot of his business on first dibs in terms of antiques, mid-century. And what he's seeing now is, you know, clients will go from us to him. And I don't, I haven't seen that probably in almost 20 years where, you know, it, that part of the business really had gone away to your point. It was more about more is more um, in terms your, to your point of luxury. I think people are really craving that warmer, more intimate, cozy feel where everything was really going towards that stark. Everything was white. Everything was slick everything was straight angled, you know, I mean, listen, you're seeing it, we see it in the shapes, the silhouettes, the, the materials that are being used, um, even in wallpaper. I mean, listen, wallpaper has been having a moment since way before all of this. Now, what we're seeing is that clients want organic. They want those faux bois, but more than that, you know, we have a, a wallpaper that we put up here that you can almost kind of see it. It actually looks like logs that are cut mm-hmm. and it's bringing the outside in. It's, it's creating environments. Um, I think pre-pandemic, the, there are people who spent very minimal time in their home or had multiple homes and they were kind of jumping. Um, you know, I would say our client, you know, whether they have two homes or three homes, all of a sudden found that they were not in their 1800 square foot apartment and they were in their 3,500 square foot home beach house or wherever that may be, you know, we're reevaluating where we invest our money and how we're creating those environments. Um, And really it's almost like you want to wrap yourself in a sweater, like the boucles, the wools. I mean, again, all, all of these textures and all of these layers are really they're huge. That's all anybody wants, you know, gray for the last how many years? I don't even know. I couldn't quote it. How many gray, 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 everything's gray and white, shark white. Now it's, I want grayish. I want warmth. I don't want as cool. Um, I want natural wood tones versus everything being black or white. Um, so I definitely see it trend wise, but, and also to your point about you know, now designers where I, it's funny, I talk to them and they're like, oh, we used to get in and sign a contract. And within 12 months, we'd be done with the client and ready to move on to another one. Now, you know, they're saying to these clients, I hope you really like me because we're going to be together a long time. We're going to be other, together a long time. <laughs> it's true. And the other, you know, the other part of that, which is really interesting is I feel like it's giving designers an opportunity to, to showcase their skills 
they're finer skills. You know, it's like if you can't find the product that you're looking for, you specify something which you're being told it's going to be 18 weeks. And the client says, okay, you know what? 18 weeks, we can totally live with it. Then it comes back and say, yeah, no, it's 26 weeks. Respecify. That's fine. We'll respecify. We'll find something that we like, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as, as designers continue to go through the space, there's inevitably that, that space, that spot, that area that they just Mm -hmm. can't. So you find a local workroom and you figure mm-hmm. out how to how to custom craft something that will that will tie it all together. I I, I love I love the innovation that's taking place right now. Mm-hmm. I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, to your point, people are thinking outside the box. It's it's all about right to your point. Where who am I going to partner with? Is it a decorative painter who you know I hadn't worked with in ten years? Is going to come in and maybe reimagine a piece that I thought I hated because it's been sitting in my house for 20 years, but that's the last piece. And it's, it, then it will finally pull everything together. I think it's really highlighting. Um, and what I'm hoping is that those art forms don't go away. I'm hoping that the design community, you know, they're working back with people who are upholst- upholstering walls or plastering ceilings, you know, that, you know, those are art forms that have always worked side by side with the interior design community. Um, and again, I would say over the last 15 years have really diminished. Um, and to your point, those partnerships that the designers are creating with these artisans are really an interesting way to, to, to create something completely unique and different for our client, um, but also to innovate and think outside the box. I think what's interesting too, and the one final, you know, to put a fine point on this, is the institutional knowledge that that someone like you has, right? So you've got a business that's 74 years in the business, serving the design trade and serving the community. The one thing that I think is probably, I'm kind of speculating here, but I think the one thing that's probably going to going to change a great deal for you is you're gonna you're gonna have to start contributing more, almost like a almost like an editor you know, almost like a contributing editor where you're, you're now pushing out ideas and content, you know, whether it be written in a blog post or something like that, where you've, you've got, you know, even in, even through social media, which has become so critical to sharing information and design, you know, you've got kind of like this mentor role now where you can mentor the designers, not just the new ones, but the ones that have been around for a while that maybe haven't dealt with a situation like this before. Absolutely. I mean, I've, it's interesting you say the word curate. I mean, I think that one of the reasons I opened our location in Connecticut was that we had designers who started driving from far away coming to New Jersey because, and that's the word they used, there's such a vast world out there. Um, they were looking for somebody to curate, um, to your point, product not even necessarily style, but just product and vendors, um, vetting those vendors or having a finger on the pulse to say, here's a new vendor that I want to pull in that I know quality, I know can service it if something goes wrong. Um, and I absolutely agree that whole philosophy of curation in terms of information. I mean, I'll give you an example. We, we've sent out these we've been sending out emails every two to three weeks just as to what's going on. It's not anything gorgeous. 
All right. It's like an email that gives, it's super easy to read. We share it on our social media. I happen to have been at an amazing event uh, in Southport, Connecticut last Friday night, which was an incredible show house showcasing incredible design and really unique ways. I was floored at the amount of people who came up to me and just said, thank you for taking all the noise that's out there and drilling it into an email that was bullet pointed out. Just taking that information because a lot of times too, for my clients, they're not just dealing with the furniture. They have delays in their appliances. They have delays in their tile. I Where we come in is I want to just take and absolve them of anything I can in terms of how, what we, what we do and what we do best furniture, fabric, and wallpaper. And it was very interesting. You know, it wasn't, so they weren't saying to me, Oh, I loved that post that you put up of that Varellen chair and that it was, thank you so much for putting on your and taking space on your social media accounts to share information because you know, I think a lot of times people too are like, I want my grid. I, everything has to look a certain way. For us, it is, it has become all about what is going on, curating and taking apart all the information, putting it into pieces um, and assembling it and distributing it and communicating it. Um, so that's been a really, you know, again, something different. I mean, I never would have thought that we would be sitting in our, our emails would be the one thing that people really sit there and say, kudos, thank you so much, thank you so much. But that just shows that's what they need from us. That's what they need from me. They need from me to be honest, to sit there and say, I'm in a horrible situation. I mean, I've had designers crying, calling. And, I, and for me to just say, you know what? I'm going to call your client. I, I'm just going to call your client and I'm going to, you don't, you know, and again, a lot of our clients aren't in partnership, they're sole ownership, you know, they're managing everything. And so to have a partner in me and somebody saying, I'm going to take that on for you um, has been huge. And it's, and again, it's the, when I think about it, it's the least that we can do, but it seems to have been sort of, um, I think the thing that people are really, it's really resonating and people are really grateful for that we've yeah, taken it's, sort of that leadership role. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's the it's the little things. It really yeah. is. It's the little totally. things. Totally. I had an email from a designer, what I forgot, I think it was Iowa, who literally, because you know, people on social media follow you from all over. And so we put some info about Lee and whatever, and she was like, Oh my God, I can't, I just called my Lee rep and I asked them because I saw your post. So it made it all away all the way to the Midwest. Um, I, I love that. It, which is it, awesome. So great. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm so like, great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, Alexis, keep up, keep up the good work. You're you're doing awesome. you're doing great, and it's this was so much fun. Thanks Thank for doing you. this. Thank you for the opportunity, Josh. It's been awesome. Thank you, Alexis. Great insight. Thank you for sharing, and best of luck with this new endeavor. Thank you, FiberSeal, for presenting Curated Chill. Thank you for your support. Thank you to our partners and Curated Chill sponsors. And thank you for listening to this episode of Curated Chill, the perfect podcast companion for anyone who truly loves design, art, and architecture. We strive to bring you the story behind Sublime Design every week directly to your smart device. 
I'm Josh Cooperman, Director of Broadcast Media for Hudson One Media, inviting you to listen, subscribe, and come back to chill. Chill.